Hello everyone and welcome to BTG Legal's podcast on Indian Code on Social Security 2020. I am Prateek Bakshi and today I have with me Jaya Ramachandran, Senior Associate in the Employment Practice Team at BTG Legal. Today we're going to discuss about how does the Code on Social Security 2020 affect you and how you should be prepared. Previously we spoke about the code on wages and covered provisions that would have an impact on companies because of which some companies may require to recalibrate some of their internal processes or be mindful about potential impact these provisions could have on them. Today we are going to talk about some of key highlights under the code on social security. Key highlights can be mainly grouped into two categories. One is the social security benefits under this code. and the second is the inclusion of new concepts such as gig workers platform work platform workers and aggregators which were not there until now while we are seeing that many definitions and concepts are undergoing a change under the four labor codes one of the most crucial change is the definition of wage under the existing laws the definition of wage under each enactment is different and many components in a typical salary structure which are included while computing wages are now expressly excluded under the labor codes the most impact we see from this definition change is uh, is in the code on social security for the purpose of computing any benefit under the social security code we have to go back to the question what is wages and hence in your salary structure what are the inclusions and exclusions to be considered as part of the wage jaya let me bring you in right here just to refresh our memory can you briefly touch upon the definition of wage again thank you prateek wage covers all salary components including your basic pay your dearness allowance and retaining allowance if any and there are 11 components that are expressly excluded from the definition of wage these are your statutory bonus uh so basically bonus payable under any law your conveyance allowance your house rent allowance overtime allowance commission paid uh value of house accommodation uh value of light water medical attendance value of travel concession value of any other amenity or any service that may be excluded by the order of the government uh, also some paid to defray special expenses so some paid to defray special expenses is not a universal component payable to all employees it is not the same as special allowance both are different this is a sum paid by the employer to meet some extraordinary expense that an employee might have your other exclusions are the contributions made by the employer so this is your employer's contribution to the provident fund employer's contribution to pension fund gratuity payable uh retrenchment compensation and lastly court or tribunal awarded remuneration or paid under a settlement however there is a limitation there is a cap on these exclusions which is 50% of all salary components except gratuity and retrenchment compensation which means if your salary components falling under exclusions except gratuity and retrenchment compensation if they exceed 50% of your total salary the excess gets included in the definition of wages now let's deal with provident fund contributions under the code on social security there is no change in the provisions pertaining to provident fund 
even the EPF contribution remains the same, which is 10% or 12% if notified. But the new definition of wage will have an impact on the actual contribution. This is because of two reasons. One reason being that many components which are currently included are now expressly excluded under the code. Secondly, the definition under the existing law is plain and simple. A salary component is either included or excluded, period. However, now there is this new proviso which puts a cap or a limitation, so to say, on the total exclusions. This may require further assessment by companies to ensure salary components are redesigned to maintain the required balance. Similarly, in the case of gratuity and ESI, the new definition of wage may affect the contributions towards gratuity and ESI for employers and hence would require further assessment. Also, under the Social Security Code, there is now an obligation to pay gratuity even to fixed-term employees and for deceased employees irrespective of uh, whether they have completed five years of service. Service below five years will attract gratuity on a pro-rata basis for fixed-term employees and deceased employees. Now, dealing with maternity benefits, there is no change in the duration of maternity leave and other benefits. However, under the code, wage for the purpose of maternity benefit payable during maternity leave is no longer computed as all remunerations paid or payable in cash to a woman. Considering the term wages as defined in the Social Security Code, uh, it could result in either of two interpretations for the purpose of maternity benefit. Uh, under the first interpretation, the wages drawn by an eligible female employee may reduce substantially during the maternity leave period. This is because of the 11 components which are excluded from the definition of wages and the first proviso which allows only any exclusions over 50% of all remunerations to be added in the computation of wage. Now, under the second interpretation, the wage drawn by an eligible female employee may reduce marginally. This is because of the second proviso to the definition of wage, which says that for the purpose of equal remuneration to all genders and for the purpose of payment of wages, four emoluments, which are uh, conveyance allowance and value of any travel concession, house rent allowance, overtime allowance, and remuneration payable under any settlement or code award must be included in the computation of wages. In either way, the wage drawn during maternity leave is getting reduced, and this goes against the construct of the entire provision. Now, more clarity on this is awaited considering this ambiguity. Now, moving on to the second part of the key highlights under the Social Security Code. Uh, the code has introduced new concepts of workers and employment. The intent behind this is to ensure that employees who may be left out of the traditional employment also get covered and receive some form of Social Security benefits. Uh, the Social Security Code has introduced the concept of an aggregator. The aggregator is defined as a digital intermediary or a marketplace which connects buyers and sellers of services and goods. Schedule 7 of the Social Security Code provides classification of aggregators. Uh, then there is platform work. Platform work is defined as a digital platform, that is an online platform used by organizations or individuals to access other organizations or individuals for services or solutions for problems. A platform worker is a person engaged in such platform work. Another new definition is that of a gig worker, 
A gig worker is a person who performs work and earns from such activities outside a traditional employer-employee relationship. Now, companies will need to assess whether they fall under the definition of aggregators and whether any of their employees are gig workers or engaged in any platform work. Gig worker is defined quite broadly and is vaguely worded. The concept of a gig worker could also mean to include an independent consultant, freelancer, or a temporary or part-time worker. There is limited information in the Social Security Code on the obligations connected with these new concepts at this point. Uh, the rules of further government notifications may provide more information on this topic. Okay, so now we understand that though the provisions pertaining to various social security benefits more or less are the same under the social security code as under the existing law, however, the definition of change would impact the computation of these benefits. Also, there are new concepts included in the code to ensure welfare benefits are offered to as many classes of workers as possible. Are there any other important changes under this new code? Yes, uh, I will try and cover a few of them. One is replacing an inspector with inspector come facilitator under all the four codes. Let's take an example. Um, a complaint is made against an employer for improperly withholding maternity benefit during maternity leave. The existing process is that the inspector will initiate an inquiry and then pass an order and consequently start recovery proceedings against an employer for unpaid maternity benefit. Now, the Social Security Code does away with this process. Under the code, the new designate, that is the inspector come facilitator, is obligated to resolve the complaint in a conciliatory manner, and he can take action against an employer only after the employer has been given a chance to remedy the default. Another procedural change is that pertaining to a judicial inquiry conducted against an employer uh, relating to PF and ESI disputes. Now, under the Social Security Code, a judicial inquiry cannot be initiated after five years from the date a non-compliance comes to the attention of the authorities. Therefore, a time bar is placed on the ability of authorities to initiate proceedings. Employers also need to note uh, that non-compliances will now attract a higher fine and longer imprisonment upon conviction in certain cases. However, offenses with only fine or imprisonment of less than one year can be compounded with payment of fines. Uh, another thing to note is that Aadhaar is now mandatory for all employees to be able to register as a member or seek any benefits such as PF and insurance. It is mandatory for foreign workers to enroll for Aadhaar as well once they have lived in the country for 182 days in, the, in 12 months. Uh, therefore, all employees, including foreign workers have to obtain Aadhaar enrollment to avail the benefit of uh, PF insurance and other social security benefits. Mm -hmm.